you know when there's nothing left to do but to fight with everything you've got to get back up there's a word for it resilience and that word comes down to such a simple test not much involved but in the moments that matter most it's everything you and a mirror looking into your own eyes and realizing there's nowhere else to go but up and being ready for what that takes it's a single decision the same decision you'll need to make every day get up get up get up that is resilience welcome to the one broken cog podcast join john and brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts one broken cog podcast boy i have to share this i just read something that was amazing this past weekend the ufc put on one of the greatest and most anticipated title fights in history it was justin gaethje the interim champion at 155 pounds taking on the reigning defending champion habib nurgamedov and this fight was amazing. Khabib ends up coming out and submitting Gaethje in the second round, retaining his title. Now, after the fight, he actually retires. You know, his father passed away from COVID, and his mother didn't want him fighting anymore. And he promised his mother after this fight he would retire. Very heartfelt moment. People love Khabib, such a great fighter. And he's undefeated. He retires undefeated, which vacates the championship. And what I just read, which is unbelievable, when Khabib went for the submission on Justin Gaethje. He was originally going for an arm bar, but he heard that week Gaethje mentioned he would never tap. So instead of going for the arm bar, and of course, if you don't tap to an arm bar, your arm will break, he switched to a triangle, which rendered him somewhat unconscious because he didn't want to hurt Justin Gaethje in front of his parents. Unbelievable class. But of course, now that he retires, that leaves the title up for grabs. I'm sure Gaethje will dust himself off and he'll have another crack at that championship because he's tough as nails. And along those lines, you know, the difference between a strong man and a weak one is that the former does not give up after a defeat. Now, that's actually a quote from Woodrow Wilson. And Thomas Edison famously said, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. Now, those quotes reflect what most great leaders have in common. Fortitude, determination, strength, perseverance, heart, and most importantly, resilience. And during this time of change and uncertainty, these traits are needed more than ever. Now, this leads me to my guest today, who is here to share research that those leaders who operate with greater coherence and resilience are able to access the highest functioning parts of the brain, enabling them to think clearly under pressure and create more innovative solutions to problems. She's also going to share proven techniques to be able to develop the capacity, prepare for, recover from, and adapt in the face of stress, challenge, change, or adversity. And whom I'm referring to is none other than Susan Drum. Now, to give you some background on Susan, she's the CEO, advisor, and leadership coach focused on helping leaders and their teams to develop the capacity and mindsets to lead in today's disruptive environment. Now, she's been running a boutique consulting firm, Meritage Leadership, with a caterer of 15 coaches and consultants since 2006. Now, they've worked with private equity firms and their emerging portfolio companies, as well as large corporations such as Oracle, Viacom, KPMG, Annie Networks, Genetech, and others. Now, Susan has a graduate degree from Harvard Law School, Carnegie Mellon University, and the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts. Susan, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome to the One Broken Cog podcast. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here and talk about this important topic. You know, I'm, I'm excited that you're excited. You know, I got to tell you, though, London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art and Harvard Law 
those are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. But or maybe not. I guess lawyers tend to get dramatic from time to time, right? <laughs> right, right. I'm I'm a person who wants to develop both left and right sides of their brain. <laughs> That's great. No, I love it. You're the complete package. What led you to form a meritage leadership? Well, I I mean, truly, what I see is leadership needs to be a balance. You know, a balance of strength as well as warmth a balance of left side analytical thinking and right side creativity. And so, um, and many others like that. And so creating sort of the perfect blend or balance is really what Meritage is about. Meritage is a, a blend of Bordeaux wine or red style wine. And to get it just right is, is making sure that everything is balanced in that. So it's derivative from wine which I love. And um, that's really the approach we take to leadership and looking at if you're too extreme on any end, you're going to pay the cost uh, either in terms of retaining and developing talent or not being innovative enough to handle disruption. Uh, so there's, there's uh, a cost to that. And I'm a big believer in being the best you can be mind, body, and spirit, which is why you see uh, various degrees in my background and uh, finding a way to integrate them all is what I do in leadership development work. That's great. That's great. Now, I know you're a certified heart math trainer. What is that? So heart math is a research body that looked at the, how we can access the highest reasoning parts of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, related to the, our heart. And so what I'm going to talk to you today about is um, we do a, a workshop that looks at heart resilience, head resilience, and body resilience. And the one I'm going to specifically focus on today is heart, and it has its roots in the research that um, the HeartMath Institute did, looking at how do people maintain composure in the face of extreme stress? How do they build the capacity to handle stress that comes at them so that they don't go into the sort of fight or flight reflex, uh, which is not sort of the highest reasoning part of the brain, and how do they maintain that composure? So that's, that's what I'll be sharing a bit of today. That's wonderful. Why do you think resilience is the number one trait leaders need during this time of change and uncertainty? Well, you know, it's, it's really become a hot topic for leaders. I mean, I think given our unprecedented levels of change, and upheaval and the really the uncertainty of not knowing right not knowing when this will end not knowing how we may be personally affected our businesses will be affected I mean, we are truly in a state of chaos where the future is unknowable in a way that we never have to to extreme case that we've never been before and and so i think the leaders Leaders with high level of resilience are ultimately viewed as being more effective by their managers, their peers, their direct reports. And the research shows that firms that have, are able to be resilient don't just survive, but they actually thrive in the face of uncertainty. And so that's really what, what we're here to take a look at. And, and, and really, you know, I wasn't interested in this topic of building resili resilience well before the COVID crisis hit, because what I had heard before this was that stress, anxiety, and overwhelm were out of hand before this happened. 
And what I noticed is, you know, in the leadership coaching, in the leadership development work that we do, what makes some leaders able to handle stressful situations more gracefully while others just get their buttons pushed and become reactive? And I was curious to know, like, is it innate? Can it be learned? And, and if so, how? And really for my own use too, you know, I, I have to deliver a lot of 360 feedback where the leader's getting feedback. And so I really wanted to research the neuroscience and, um, and that's why I got certified. That's why I found heart math and I got certified in some of the techniques and found a way to translate them to be used in leadership development. Now, do you think you can develop this as a skill or is it something you're born with as far as resilience? And that's what I was curious about. Like, like, is this, is this like, is it just the, the upbringing? And I do think your upbringing does have something to do with your natural ability to handle resilience. You know, have you faced adversity in the past? Do you have the confidence that you can overcome it because of that? Um, so it does play a factor. But, you know, we are where we are, um, where, wherever it is. And, and what I've learned over time is you absolutely can build resilience. Um, and you can build it, and we can also measure your ability to stay in a coherent state. Um, and so that, that'll be something I'll be talking about with you, which is this sense of like, what is coherence? It's, it's the state in which your heart and brain are aligned physiologically to allow the best possible outcome in decision-making and handling stress. Yeah, I'd love to know what is coherence and why is it important? So, so coherence is, you know, if you, you can imagine, actually, the heart sends more signals to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. A lot of people don't realize that. So your heart is a, an important leverage point or steadying the rhythms of your heartbeat in terms of sending signals to your, to your head that uh, things are either danger or you're, you're in control of the situation. And um, so you can, you can graphically see what's happening uh, when, you could, if you can imagine a heart, when heart and brain are in sync, it's like a um, rowing team, all rowing at the same level. When they're out of sync, it's, you know, a little bit like people rowing at different times. Or another analogy is it's one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas. Now, graphically, what that looks like is they can measure this from heart rate variability. Um, and the, the perfect, when you're in this state of coherence, which means you are accessing the highest reasoning parts of your brain, it looks like a perfect sine wave, your heart rate variability. Perfect like up and down in a very even cadence. When you're in incoherence, that creates a jagged, a jagged line, almost like a scrib scribbly line, right? More ir ir um, irregular. And so given the fact that we can see that, then, then HeartMath also measured people's ability to handle stressful situations in the moment. And that's where they found the ability to handle this was much more improved when you were in this state of coherence where the heart and brain are in sync. And so that's essentially what coherence is, having your heart and brain in sync. That's fascinating. How can people actually develop it though? Is there, are there some specific techniques people can utilize to get ready or brace themselves for these crazy situations or to handle them a little bit better? Well, yeah. So a lot of times it'd be like, oh, you're talking about the heart. You know, but when we talk about resilience, we are meaning like your, your body has to be prepared for resilience. Um, 
And so the technique starts first with accessing your emotional state and actually directing your emotional state. Your emotions play a big part on your ability to be resilient and what you access. Now, emotions are important. They're, they're, they're uh, important sources of information, but often we tend to over-rotate on certain emotions and maybe under-rotate on others. Um, so what we, we tend to look at is this distinction between um, renewing emotions and depleting emotions. So depleting emotions are things like irritation, anger, frustration, um, jealousy, all of these, they actually, what they do is they deplete your body's ability to handle stress. Those Emotions over time, they, they cause a, basically they have 1,400 um, biochemical changes that happen within your body when you're feeling those types of emotions. Most likely the release of cortisol, which is good in the moment. It was there to prepare your body for fight or flight if there was a saber-toothed tiger approaching, let's say. But it's not so good if we keep over-rotating on that and keep depleting the body. The more you do that, the less likely, again, you're in this ability to make the best decisions given what's occurring on you outside. Have you ever had a situation where you just got ticked off and then you unconsciously inserted your foot in your mouth and like, shoot, I should not have said that, right? right. <laughs> and so we want to look at those, those depleting emotions and shift that. So I want to contrast that, and these are really important because the, the technique actually includes focusing in on these types of emotions, is to contrast that is the renewing emotions. So renewing emotions are things like gratitude, appreciation, love, care. Those emotions have the exact opposite effect on your body. They have, they release 1400 biochemical changes in terms of your hormonal and nervous system that are release things like DHEA, which is the happy hormone. All of those types of emotion actually put yourself into a coherent state. So the renewing emotions, what we find is most people don't, aren't able to build their resilience because how often are they purposely focusing in on renewing emotions? We tend to get caught up in depleting emotions and that if you can think about your, your ability to handle resilience as an inner battery, that battery gets depleted so that when stuff comes at you, you know, you can't handle it as well. Think about it when you're tired, right? When you're tired, how do you handle stress? Usually not very good, right? Or you could think about like, what's a depleting situation for you right now, Brian, that that you notice draining your energy. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a few burning the candle at both ends, probably. Yes, not getting right, not getting enough sleep, and therefore we can't handle it. So this is a way to top off that inner battery. And so the the thing is, what I'm what I'm you know can share with you is is you want to build this this practice over time, and the more you do it, the more kind of unmessable with you you become. You know, I say like a water off a duck's back. And, and the interesting thing about it is it is based on more than 20 years of published peer-reviewed research on the science of resilience. So there's over 300 research studies published on what actually can work 
And what I'll share with you today is one of those techniques that actually does work. And the thing is, it's so simple that it'll blow your mind because you're like, really? But really <laughs> is all I have to say. Um, and, and even so, you know, it was not just leaders in, in some of the, the heart math, um, conferences that I've been in. Um, I recently, the people that were in there were people like F-16 fighter pilots, um, the chief of police for all of Columbia, right? Wow. ER nurses, EMT workers. These are all people who in the moment have very stressful situations and have to be able to stay in the very highest reasoning parts of their brain. So they're, they've been practicing this and building their ability to stay coherent when that kind of in, intensity comes at them. That is amazing. I love that. Yeah, those are such high pressure, high stress situations. You really have to be on top of your game. And if you're tired or you're cranky or, or it just becomes too overwhelming, you're right. We could go back to our emotions, let that run wild and it totally ruins it for us. What do you think about, do you think women struggle with this more than men because of the emotional aspect to it or is this just across the board? Uh, I think it's across the board. I think perhaps there's different ways. Um, it could be that uh, sometimes there's a suppression of emotions on both sides. I do a lot of work with the Enneagram, which looks at different leadership styles. And I would almost say there's more there's more, uh, there's greater differences between Enneagram types or leadership style types than there are necessarily gender, uh, gender basis. Um, but I think it's, we, we just, we don't take care of ourselves in this way. Um, and we're not leveraging the research out there. And that's really my mission and why I'm here talking to you today, because I want to get this information out to people when they could use it the most. I mean, frankly, if the world is a less reactive, we all win. And I see a level of reactivity going on now at levels I've never seen. And if I can do something to help people recharge themselves in the face of, of more stressful times, that's what I hope to do. And why do you think that is? Why are people so reactive now? Is it their fault or is it the media? What, what do you think is causing it? Um, I think people are um, allowing external, as opposed to looking within and doing the inner work, they're looking to the external environment and almost being run by it, whatever, whatever it could be. It could be the media, it could be the neighbor's dog, it could be the traffic, whatever it is. And, you know, I, I recently had a friend just complaining so much about wearing the mask. And what I wanted to say to her, like, is is that helping you to like continue complain? Like, what do you get from that? You know, um, it is what it is right now. And I'm not sure unless you're going to do something to shift it, all you're doing is depleting your own energy as a result of that. So I think it's a distinction between what can we, people just don't know what to do to, to build up their ability to stay resilient and to go within versus you know, being almost being um, at the at the helm of uh, whatever's going on externally, and and I, you know, here's the thing: when you allow yourself to be so run by what happens to you externally, you give your power away. You're letting every, anyone can tweak you at any moment. Is that is that working for you? Is what I have to say, or can you actually take back your power and get to this state to be a little bit more unmessable with? You have to be like those guards at uh, Buckingham Palace, right? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Susan, Although I, they, I would say they're a little bit more robotic. We're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah, resilience, not robotics. So right. what, what is this simple technique you think you can share with the audience? I know, I know, of course, we don't give everything away because that's your, your core competency and why people want to reach out to you and work with you. But if there's something that can change the game and set them in the right direction today, what would that be? Yes. Yeah, so I do want to share this with you because it's one of our simple techniques. Um, there are many, many others, but this is an easy one I can share and it's effective um, with you right today. So are you, are you game to do it with me? Sure. Why not? All right. Awesome. So there's two steps to this. It's called quick coherence. It is syncing up the heart and brain in a, in a very simple um, way and allowing you to recenter, reset. It's not mindfulness. It's not meditation. You can do this in the middle of a meeting. Um, an F-16 fighter pilot can do this in the middle of flying a jet. So we'll take you through the two steps now. So step one is to focus the attention on your attention on the area of the heart and imagine your breath is flowing in and out of your heart or chest area, breathing a little slower and deeper than usual. I'm just going to give you a, a moment or two to inhale for maybe five seconds. And exhale for five seconds or whatever rhythm feels comfortable. And then step two is to make a sincere attempt to experience a regenerative feeling such as appreciation or care for someone or something in your life. I like to think about my pet, puppy Jasmine. But, or it could be a special place or an accomplishment. But you want to do your best to experience that feeling of appreciation or care. So do that now while you breathe. Okay, how do you feel, Brian? You know, I got this amazing sense of calmness and peacefulness and then just great uh, happiness. You know, I found myself smiling. So, yeah, I feel great. Yeah, it's pretty simple. <laughs> and, but here's the thing. I wouldn't have believed it either until I started practicing it and until I saw it firsthand. So, there is – we're going to let your listeners know about uh, an a sensor or an, and an app that you can use if you're in coherence. And that app will, you clip to your ear and it will show you whether you're in a coherent state. In other words, heart and brain are aligned and you're in the best state for your body to build your resilience or you're in an incoherent state. 
And the more I practice this every morning and every night before I go to bed, those are good times for about five minutes. And then maybe in the middle of the day, like even before this podcast, I took, a, took just 30 seconds to center myself and do this technique. And what I found over time is I can see on the scale, it has built my ability to stay coherent. And you'll see the scale if you, if you get this um, app and sensor. But the data doesn't lie. So um, this, is not, uh, this is not just sort of made up stuff. Right? I see real data behind it. Great, great. Susan, what do you think your clients struggle with the most when you meet with these people? I know you have a ton of coaches on your staff. And from all of the clients you work with, what do you think they're struggling with the most? No, I think, like I said, the uncertainty, uh, dealing with uncertainty and how to plan. I think this hit people, this crisis hit people, the extent, the magnitude of it the inability to plan, right? People had a strategic plan that they adopted maybe last January that's completely thrown out the window. So I think how do they um, both be present and compassionate with their team, but also do their best to plan for the future that's unknowable is the biggest struggle right now. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. Now, do you think now, there's a statement that I, I really, really enjoy and I've used in the past. I want to get your thoughts on it. The, the statement is this. Pressure does two things, okay? It either squeezes effort out of winners or excuses out of losers. What do you think about that statement? Uh, I think the best way to describe that for me is um, do you have a growth mindset that you see pressure or challenge as an opportunity or something to solve? Or do you go to a victim mindset and that you uh, say, oh, circumstances are happening to me and I believe there's nothing I can do to affect the situation. How dare life treat me this way? <laughs> right. Um, so that's, I usually reframe it as sort of a growth mindset or a victim mindset. And I don't mean victim in terms of a, a crime, which, which is something entirely different. I mean, in terms of, feeling powerless to deal with the leadership challenges that are coming your way. Right. No, I totally understand it. It's just making excuses and saying that because of these reasons, there's no way for me to get out of this. It's not my fault. It's because of certain circumstances. So I'm just going to accept the horrible outcome that I'm you know, experiencing right now. So yeah, no, I totally understand that. I, I love it. Yeah. Mindset is huge. Growth mindset versus a victim or fixed mindset. Here's another question real quick here. Self-awareness. Is very, very important. It's one of the most important traits of leadership in business. When you meet with your clients, more often than not, are they self-aware uh, or are they in denial most of the time? Uh, that's a pretty broad statement. I think it just depends on the amount of growth work that they've done and how much they've gone out to the field to get more data, right? So um, I love this phrase. You can't, can't read the label from inside the jar. So have, how much feedback have you gotten of people that can read your label that you can't see? You know, we all have blind spots. We all have places to grow. How aware are you of what your blind spot may be? And the only way you're going to learn that, because it is blind to you, is by getting data and getting data from people who interact with you. What do they see? What do they notice? Which is why we do 360s, because otherwise the leader has no idea how they're showing up. How often do you see people's uh, intention not match their actual impact? 
And that's the only way you know your impact is to get data from outside yourself. No, I love it. I wish I met you so long ago. And it's because of the fact that, have you ever seen the show Bar Rescue before? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's a great show. There's a guy named John Taffer. He comes into these failing bars. It's kind of like Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay, uh-huh. but it's in bars. So John Taffer comes in, he analyzes the situation. You know, the owner is in debt and they're going to close if they don't make changes. John Taffer comes in to save the day and he's known for doing this, right? But what happens is he comes in and he gives them advice on what to do and they start defending themselves, even though they called him in there originally because they admit there's a problem. And if they don't do something about it, they're going to go out of business. Even then, when John Taffer gives them constructive criticism or feedback, they defend themselves and they're in denial. It's unbelievable. So your techniques of getting inside the brain, teaching resilience, having them accept, look at the data, and then actually accept what's going on and and forging forward with a better plan, it's very, very valuable these days, let me tell you. Yeah, I think it's just to get curious. You know, you don't have to accept all the feedback. But do you notice trends? And if a lot of people are experiencing you this way, well, what, you know, sometimes when there's resistance, I say, well, what 2% of this is true? And if it were true, what do you want to do about that? Or we look at, and so I recognize that's not your intent, but the perception is. So what are we going to do to change the perception? And sometimes that creates the opening. But really, it's the ego and identity and self-image that's, that's creating all the protective barriers there. If you can let that go, it's just data. No, it's true. And by the way, here at One Broken Cog, we call that the John Taffer effect when you meet with a client that's in denial, things like that. But uh, no, you're right. People, they make decisions emotionally and justify it with logic most of the time. And I completely agree. I mean, you absolutely have to look at the data, lay it out and uh, make a solid case. I I completely agree with that. Now, any last words of wisdom, any last bits of information you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap up? Yes. So what I shared with you relates to building resilience through um, like a centering technique that the more you do it, the more you're less likely to be, um, again, pushed off kilter. And it builds greater relating skills. We also do work around, that's not the only way resilience is built. We do resilience around the head part, which is more around strategic focus, being more decisive, the the achieving skills of things. We also, believe it or not, do some work around the body because the body actually takes in information as well, which is around the self-awareness, being having greater composure, more like a sustainable productivity approach. So all of that goes into building resilience. What I shared to you with you today is just one piece. That said, if you'd like to learn more about what that is, we have a download we can um, send you that has both information on how to get that app that I talked about that measures your coherence that you can use to practice it over time, as well as more information about the benefits of resilience. And you can get that by going to susandrum.com slash broken clog. So that's S-U-S-A-N-D-R-U-M-M dot com slash broken clock. Wonderful, Susan. Now, one last question. It's just a personal question. It's to get to know you a little bit better and get inside your, your mind. By the way, real quick before I even get into that, you went to – you actually majored in drama and music. What, what, what were you trying to do eventually? What was your dream? So I loved the study of acting. Um, and, and uh, you know, when I went into it, it was – 
frankly, a little bit early in my career. I had been working for companies that the culture was crappy. I was like, I don't want to do this. I love the study of acting. Let me do this for a little bit and see where it leads me. And it was by doing that that I learned, wow, I could really take some of these acting skills and bring them into the business world about being more authentic, about learning to deal with your inner critic. Um, those are all things you learn as an actor. And so I learned to take that information and bring it into the executive presence work that we do. It's great. You know, I'm an actor myself. Uh, I act like an adult from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then I can go back to being a child again after that. But uh, <laughs> you're, you're going to love this question. So last question, personal question. You're on an island for the rest of your life. You can only bring one book, one movie, and one album. What are they? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, I can't choose. Hmm. One movie, Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Um, one book, The Art of Possibility. Um, and what was the last one? One album? Album, yes. Album? Who, who listens to albums anymore? <laughs> I thought you were going to say song. Um, I'd probably say... Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the Eagles, so oh, okay. the Eagles' greatest hits. <laughs> well, okay, all right. Sounds great. Susan, I love it. Now, how do people get in touch with you, uh, reach out to your business, to yourself? How do they connect with you? Yes, well, they certainly can if they go to that to get that download that I mentioned before. Um, or you could just go to our website, meritageleadership.com, and there's a contact page there. Spell um, M-E-R-I-T-A-G-E, leadership.com, slash contact, and you'll see the contact page to get, get a hold of us. Awesome. Susan, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. I'm going to use that technique. Trust me, I will. And uh, love it. Thank you very much. Let's stay in touch and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line. 